microphone. Oh, we got we got power. I can tell. I can hear myself. Well, it's good to see everyone again, and I pray the Lord will bless. Happy Father's Day to each and every one. Uh, I, uh, for those of you that uh, have not experienced the troubles of fatherhood, I still wish you a happy Father's Day. For those of you that don't experience the blessings of fatherhood, I still wish you a happy Father's Day. And uh, the rest of us can only pray the Lord will use us as we try to lead our children in all that we say and do. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Book of Genesis, Chapter 5. The message today is being a real father or a godly, a real father. You know, it's interesting to me is that when we take a look at fatherhood, and if I was to take a survey, I wonder how many men would raise their hands and say, I don't know that I was a successful father. And uh, we punish ourselves when our kids go get into trouble or whatever. We look back at our lives. I know I am a, I'm an expert in looking back on my life to try to figure out where I went wrong with my kids. Uh, a lot of times people would say, you know, the reason that a preacher's kid is in trouble uh, is because of the deacon's kids. But, you know, the reality is, is that we are all born sinners. And when I finish today, I hope that we will be able to see a greater example of what godliness is all about. And for those that are yet to have children, may the Lord bless that you would have them uh, if you're able to. And, you know, if you have children, may the Lord bless you that you would understand that you have just a short period of time to train them up. As a testimony, uh, I remember when I was 18 years of age that I had some decisions to make. And I remember going to my dad. I, I'd been accepted in Marshall University into their uh, their programs. And uh, there was one little problem. I didn't have any money. You know, it's all the education in the world doesn't do you any good if you don't have any income. And uh, when the, the, the uh, professor that was there, the dean who had uh, asked me if I could keep up a B-plus average, I said, yeah, I think I can keep a B average. He said... Uh, well, to my, looked at my dad and he said, it'll cost you about $30,000 for Mike to go to school. That's a lot of money, especially back in 1973. And I remember the quietness of the car coming all the way back uh, to, and it wasn't that far from Marshall over to mom and dad's house. But I remember the quietness. And many years later, or, or not, many, not many years later, but not too long after, I said to dad, I'd like to go in the military, dad. And I said, I think that I can make it there. And man, I, I, it was like I shot Dad. No, you don't need to go in the military. We'll figure it out. We know what to do and things like that. And, you know, the reality is is that when I went into the military, with his blessing, understand, I didn't rebel. The only thing he said, you're not going to go in as a Marine. He said, you got too much brains on your head. You're not going to use it to go through walls. And uh, I remember this, is that uh, I went in in the Air Force, got into a good, good field, and it served me well. But I say that to you all to, under, to make this mention. There was a struggle in my father, and I could see it in his face, to allow me to be the first one to leave home. And it took many, many years for me to come back to this area, as far as being able to settle. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit more as we allow the day to go on. But I want you to understand this, is that the example of fatherhood was not only demonstrated by my own father, but what we read in Scripture. 
I want you to look at this. In Genesis chapter 5, it says, This is the book of generation of Adams. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Now, we're blessed, you know, most of us have had children. I've had the blessings of meeting some of your children. Of course, Greg and Ethan are here today. And uh, whether we like it or not, you know, we, we have the product that is passed down. And notice the thing is that God made a man in his image. But look what it also says. Male, female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam and the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and began a son in his own likeness. So, you know, the thing is, is that Ethan was not created in the likeness of God. He was made in the likeness of Greg. Scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> we're all shaking our heads after that. After his own image, and he called his name Seth, and the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. All the days of Adam, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. I want us to begin today by going to the Lord in prayer, but we're going to ask him to help us to understand what examples we should follow in regards to marriage. Let us pray. Father, again, I pray that you will help us to understand the purpose and the plan that you give us. Lord, when we think of marriage, when we think of being a dad, when we think of our children and all that goes into place, we know that, Father, that you will always guide and watch over us in so many ways, and that we might consider not only what you have for us, but we might be faithful unto you in all things. Help us, dear Father, to know the truth. Help us, dear Father, to wake up to the lessons that you have for us from your word. And may we continue to walk faithfully before you. So guide us, dear Father, and help us in all things, for it's in Christ we pray. And amen. As I began my study, originally my direction and my thought was to return to men like Abraham and to consider Abraham and the example that we see with Abraham and that he was a man not only after God and he was called a friend of God because he believed God, but he also was blessed to raise up a child named Isaac. And I thought about that. You know, he also raised a son by the name of Ishmael and many things that goes on with that. But the more that I began to think about Abraham, then my attention went over to Jacob, and then it went to Samuel, and went to other men of God. And I learned one thing. The further away, the further away from God we become. I hate to say that, but it's absolutely true. I remember the, the pressure of learning the Bible. And I oftentimes were amazed at men who could just stand up and quote from the Bible and, and to use it uh, so easily. And they could literally go from one area to another and it just seemed like there was such a fluid way of presenting the Word of God. It was demonstra demonstrated to me by Brother Willard Pyle, who was my pastor at that time. And I enjoyed listening to Brother Pyle and the messages that he would deliver. I remember the, the examples that were taught to me by other men of God who had devoted themselves to a lifelong of study. I remember a man by the name of Wayne Cox who, could, who had memorized the entire Bible. And I remember that he could stand up from the pulpit and literally say chapter and verse. While the rest of us were over there looking for a chapter and verse, he had already quoted it. 
And we would go back in and, and view that verse to make sure that he was right, and he was. And then it occurred to me that of all the examples that I have, and yes, my dad was a great biblical example to me. What most people don't realize is I remember the day that my mom and dad were saved and the moment that they submitted themselves to baptism, declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. I remember that day as though it was present with me and the struggles that occurred. My dad changed immediately from following after the, the alcohol and things like that was in his life to following after the things of God and to be enticed by the things that are written in the Word of God. I remember that he would go up in the attic and the door would close up. Maybe he'd have mom close it or whatever, but he would go up in the attic and there he would read the Bible for hours on end. I remember him talking to me. I, I, I want you to understand this. My dad valued hard work. He truly did. I made mention of this before. The value that Dad had. And I was scared to death to tell him that I was going to give up a lucrative job to become a pastor. And I was so afraid to tell him that. Because the fact is, is that I was going to have to give up what I thought was important to him. But his answer to me left me with a charge that most men will never know. And that charge was, I knew this day was coming. I knew this day was coming. And it made me appreciate what it was like to be a man of God in the presence of another man of God. But I want us to take our Bibles and let's go back to the book of Genesis. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time here in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. And I want you to get the examples that we see from the Word of God, not from the man image. And really, if we were to follow understand what it's like to be a man, we do have to follow the images that we see from Scripture. But to understand that it was God the Father that presented Himself first and foremost for us to understand. Now watch this. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, we find that there's one. And the earth was If there's anything that a lot of people miss when it comes to this part is that God the Creator was about to establish something magnificent. Not and I tell this to people all the time. How many There's only one planet way off in the middle of nowhere that I have seen the destructions of water, I have seen the power of water. And not only that, mud puddle. Pretty soon Randy will run back in and he'll relieve some of the water that's in him. 
I'm saying that from the pulpit, and it's now can't be recovered, brother. I'm just telling you. But the reality is, is that when you take a look at it, water makes up who we are. We have to have water, and God provided every detail upon this planet, not for but for us. I remember this: is that you know people are, are constantly pointing to man and saying, "But we have a heart." So does an earthworm. We have a skeletal system, so does ants. We have a brain, so does all the other creatures that are upon this earth. And many times people will say, well, if God... I've got to live like my food lives. I've got to live off the grass. I've got to live off the vegetation. I have to live off the meats. And everything that we see and live for, God had to provide for all. There's not only that, but think about the air. Bring it in. Let it go. That's God's air. God created the correct amount of air. You know what's interesting is that whenever you watched a Star Trek, and I remember many years ago, one of the first things they said is that we just uh, took a composition of the uh, uh, air mass that is down there, and basically it's all blah, blah, blah. In other words, it has an acceptable air quality about it so we don't have to wear special suits to go down there with. How many times do we see people go down in Star Trek to a planet that had the right amount of air? I bring that up to us because you see, while we look for those things, God knew we needed those things and he created those things. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 2 and I want you to see this. And this is an amazing part to me because when I see Genesis chapter 2, I see the same thing that we see in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 verse 3 it said, And he created all things. And so I want you to get this. This is Jesus Christ the creator. And yet we see Jesus in his if, if you will, in the theophany form, we begin to see this here in Genesis chapter 1, or chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God rested his work which he hath made, and he rested on the seventh day from the work which he had made. Not because God needed the rest, but as a demonstration for who? Us. God gave the day of rest for and God made it holy because that he had rested from all the things which God crea uh, created and made. Now these are the generations of heaven and earth which they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven or the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was on the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord None of that was in, in, in existence yet. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. If, if you don't have verse 7 underlined, shame on you. Shame on you. And the Lord God of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. I don't know about you, but I have seen all of the other, all the Hollywood depictions of what man is. Millions of years ago, billions of years ago, you know, you know even the creation story, and nothing fits. 
But can you imagine the day that God took his hands and he formed man? Now, I love making sandcastles. I really do. And when I go make sandcastles, I'm out there with my, you know, with my little shovels and my little units, and I'm out there making sandcastles to glory. But I can't make it come to life. And it's very miniature. But God, in his infinite power, created the full-size man. But then he went one step further. He He breathed. Now, there's a lot of people who say, well, do you If you watch Frankenstein or anything else, everybody tries to figure it out. You know, how the living. Now, I want you to get this. Now, come on, sync with me. God created man because his entire plan and purpose was to make a place filled with other men. Do you realize that it was God's purpose and plan for every one of us, and we know, of course, the redemption is in the quality, to associate with God, who is our Father. Let me prove that to you. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, and let's go to chapter 21. People hate this verse. I mean, even Baptists I know of hate this verse. But in, in Revelation chapter 21, I want to go down to verse 1. And look what it tells us, okay? Everybody there? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, once again, no more destruction, no more death, new heaven and new earth. Look at verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a book. And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now, come on, look what it says. Is with men. It's present with us. The tabernacle of God is with us. And he will dwell with men. That's God. How many of us know that God is going to dwell amongst us? Not just Jesus Christ, but God the Father. Look what else it says. And shall be his people, and God himself shall be. All the satellites, 
Everything that's been launched into space has to be destroyed. And God is going to create all things brand new. No more evil. Man, alive. Isn't that wonderful? No Remember the wickedness that we did in times past, even though we are holy. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Man, wouldn't that be great? You know, I tell people, I can't wait to have all my teeth back so that I can enjoy the steak tree that I know God has planted somewhere in the garden. I want a good steak. I know that sounds crazy. I don't know if it is or not, but we're going to enjoy our life there. Neither sorrow. You know, let me tell you something. I hurt. I hurt. I stand up in the pulpit from time to time and I, I want you all to see a man that is enjoying the things of God, but I still hurt. I hurt for my sons. I hurt for my grandchildren. I hurt for myself sometimes. And there's a sorrow that you will never know that is deep within, and I'm going to share with you just that much. I wish that I was a greater man of God. I really do. My children have already said to me, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Thank you for being an example. And I'm going, was I a good example to them? I sorrow over that. I truly do. And there will be no more pain. You know the tears that I'm going to have is because I'm going to remember. Father, did I let my sons down? Every now and then my son Joseph will say, Dad, you remember the fishing trip you promised me? Yes, son, I remember that. I remember that. And he remembers it too because I've never been able to fulfill it. And I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I try to always make the holidays special with my kids, especially vacations. And I'm purposed in my mind that I would never go preaching revival services on holidays. And I've had so many preachers land blast me for it, but I wanted my kids to know they were just as important because God gave them to me first. Look what else it says. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I don't know about you, but every element of God's word should make me understand the capability. And the thing that I see with God is that he brings so much to light in regards to Adam and the relationship that he's going to have over here in the book of Genesis chapter 2. When he sits down with Adam, and I, I can imagine, you know, my imagination is probably better than anyone else's, but that's okay. I can imagine that he just sat down beside Adam. He probably said, well, what questions do you have? What would be the that's not recorded in the Bible? Why did you make me? Why did you make me? Can you imagine the be with you? Why did we have I don't care if those little boys.
the Lord God took time to instruct His own creation. And the thing that He did is He said, Adam, I made this garden for you to enjoy. I want you to see everything that is about us, Adam. Everything. And you can enjoy all the Over there's walnuts. Over there are pecans. Over there is the apples. Over there is the cherries. Over there... And I don't care if you believe that the apple was the fruit. I will get into that de debate later. But the reality is, is that all the fruit they could enjoy except for one. And I want you to get this. God said, Adam, you can enjoy But you can't eat of that tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil for you. section he talks too much did you get one of those and I looked at that I didn't know what that meant I thought I was supposed to talk and dad looked at me and he goes we're not going to have another one of these are we and right then because he had threatened me within an inch of my life I didn't want to ever talk back in class again the teacher would probably call upon me and I went, is this okay to talk? Can I answer her and she not mark down that he talks too much in class? I didn't want to talk because I didn't want to come home. Here's the other thing that scared me. Dad had respect for the teachers. And like we have today, which the, the poor little teacher has all the responsibility in the world. I, I don't know how grade school teachers handle it. But I remember to this day, and I thank God, I thank God that Dad did this on purpose. He looked at the teacher, and he looked at me, and he said, Mike's a little rambunctious at times, and he might need to be spanked. Well, thanks a lot, Dad. And if you spank me, tell Adam what was going to happen if he ate of the tree, but when he ate of the tree. Well, why don't you look at verse 17 again. It says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat in it, for in the day thou eatest thereof. Did you know that God knew that Adam was going to eat of that fruit? He knew it. And so because God knew that, he had only and so she reported back she reported everything that had been instructed to her and then some 
But Eve did not have the strength that Adam had. Ladies, let me just tell you this. I have nothing against any woman upon this earth. But it's amazing to me how that if I want something, I'd rather go to mom than dad about it. Many years ago, I wanted a little bit longer hair. Dad wanted a butcher haircut on every one of us kids. Hated that, man. I hated that. I went to mom one day and I said, could you ask dad if I can have a little bit longer hair? And as soon as my hair would start to lay over, dad would make me go get a barbershop cut. I hated it. Why? Because it was the 70s. And in the early 70s, everybody had long mops. Not this kid. It's longer now than I ever thought about it being long in the, in the house. But Dad made sure that we followed the instructions of God carefully. There is one thing that most of us miss. I want you to get this. When she ate of the fruit in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. Did God say any of those things were not going to happen? God never said any of that. It was desired because it made one wise. She took of the fruit and did eat. And she also gave to her husband. Now, here's the thing that we speculate. We don't know because we weren't there, but I can almost imagine that Adam at that moment recognized the fruit that was in the wife's hand. Why didn't Adam stop her? Let me just tell you something, folks. It's in the mind of an individual. And Randy and I were talking about this the other day. God never made us robots. But he did make us obedient. And the thing is, we also... same shame because he hid from the Lord God as the Lord God walked upon the earth. And when Adam heard the voice of God coming through the garden, he hid behind the fig leaves. He and his wife. 
And as the voice loomed closer and closer, Adam came out. And he said, I was afraid. Why was he afraid? The first mention of fear comes with sin. Do you know what? And everywhere we look at, we see the product of sin. And at the moment, the Lord God looked at Adam and said, Did you eat of the fruit? There's sin. And what did the woman do? We know this, is that the evil that was there began to be permeated. But there was so much more. And oh, how much I want you to see this. And I know we're running out of time, but I want you to look at this. And it says, the first word of promise. Look at verse 16. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow, and thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Do you know why we're seeing such a, a, a terrible estate today? Because we are no longer following after the plan of God, and we're following after the plan of man. Now, understand this, men. We've done wrong. We've not followed the plan of God ourselves, but and then when it's convenient, we open up the Word of God and we want to point out everybody else's flaws. But if we're going to be consistent, we should follow the things of God every moment of every day. Verse 15 says that there's a promise, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Jesus himself said, I am going to make sure that one comes. But ever the teacher, and I want you to get this, ever the teacher, God Almighty, makes sure that they understood what was required. Here was this perfect little creature. I believe it was the lamb. And he stripped the skin off that little creature. To strip that skin off that little creature, that creature had to die. And I believe that as the blood shed upon the ground, Adam was in horror. You mean my sin has brought this upon the earth? Yes, Adam. And then as God prepared the skins, he then cloaked Adam and he said, this is a proper covering. And he did the same with taking the skins off of another creature, which I believe was a lamb. And he clothed Eve with it so that she was protected as well. And he said, this is the proper covering that I want you to have also. You see, we, are, we want to make believe that this was something of a caveman. I don't believe that at all. I believe that when we take a look at Adam and Eve, there was a responsibility, there was a communication, there was a teaching. It didn't involve... And in Genesis chapter 4, we see two... Beautiful sons, Cain and Abel. And this is where I struggle.
But it's up to them if they're going to follow God or not. That's the hardest part of my own particular life. And the reason that it's so difficult is because I want my... It doesn't happen, does it? And unless God gets a hold of them and straightens them up, they will never see what I want them to see. They must be born again. And the moment that they're born again, they realize all they can do is sit down and instruct their children. Let me tell you something. Take a magnifying glass. And the child that you're, or the man or the woman that your child is getting ready to marry, examine them. One preacher once said, I make sure I bring that man into my, you know, he said that wanted to marry my daughter. He said he had an earring in this ear. Dressed in rags. He said, I'm here for your daughter. He said, I slammed the door on him. His daughter came down and said, was that for me? And he goes, that was not for you. And she looked at her dad and she goes, I will never marry a man like you, dad. Because you're chauvinist. I don't... During his wife's funeral, he preached. And he said, I want you to know that I'm the president of the Male Chauvinist Society. And my son-in-law, whom my daughter married, is the vice president. Do you know that your children need your attention even in marriage? We know it. But the reality is, it will still be up to them whether they will obey it or not. Cain knew what God demanded. He knew what the Lord God wanted. A lamb, perfect, of the firstborn, to break the matrix. Just like Abel offered and God accepted it. But he said, I am not going to do it that way. I'll do it my way. And God, you have to accept it. Did God accept it? He didn't. And it caused a rage to boil up into Cain such that he wanted to take it out on God, but instead he took it out on his brother. Oh, God, help us. Help us to be the men and women that will say, Lord, I have prepared my child. I leave them in your... Yes, I examine myself. But do you realize all I can do is preach and to be the best dad that I can be? If your children are here today, and I want you to know that my kids are tuning in all across the world, and some of our kids are going to listen, some of our other church members who can't be here today, they're listening. Let me just say this. Pray for your dads that are amongst us. Pray that we will live a testimony that will not fail and that we shall be the men, and go- men of God 
that he would have for us to be. Father, again, I want to thank you for this message. May it be exactly what we need today. Guide and watch over us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, do you have a closing song?